If a community uh, decides they they want to have their local government unit, who probably has a very good uh, track record on providing services, to provide that service, I think it should happen. Welcome to episode 210 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Every once in a while, we're able to touch base with a community that we've not profiled before that's been serving local businesses with municipal fiber connectivity for a number of years. This week, it's ALP Utilities in Alexandria, Minnesota. Chris talks with Al Krauser, General Manager of ALP Utilities, who shares the history of how the community got involved in bringing connectivity to Alexandria and surrounding towns located in the central part of the state. Al explains how the municipal utility has evolved to now offer fiber services to local businesses and how they've done it slowly and methodically. Check out their website to learn more at alputilities.com. Now here are Chris and Al Krauser, General Manager of Alexandria's ALP Utilities. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm speaking with Al Krauser, the General Manager of ALP Utilities in Alexandria, Minnesota. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about Alexandria. I've been through it, but I'm guessing most of our listeners have not. Alexandria is a, a, a gem of Minnesota. It's in a lake region of uh, 200 lakes in our county. Uh, it has uh, good manufacturing, good jobs, good education. It's uh, the tagline for Alexandria. It's easy to get to and hard to leave. And what do you have, like about 15,000 people? You know, we do. The The, the sign says 13,000, but uh, within uh, downtown Alexandria, there's about 20,000 people within five miles. And now at the utility, tell me all the different things that your utility does. We have uh, three different business units at uh, ALP Utilities. One is electricity, which is our largest unit. Second is uh, water service. And third is uh, biz- business communications uh, sector. Let's, let's push into the, the business communications services. Uh, for how long has the utility been involved in any kind of telecommunications services? Well, uh, when you talk about any kind of telecommunications, uh, we go way back with a, uh, a copper system that we tied our substations together with. And uh, all utilities have had that for many, many years uh, for communications. But you're probably talking more recently about Internet access and such. Sure, yeah. Um, we started in uh, the mid-90s with a partnership with our local rural electric cooperative where we provided dial-up service in the community because, quite frankly, the incumbents here, the phone company and the uh, cable company, were not providing um, service of, for Internet. Um, our community, uh, including the Chamber of Commerce and the Economic Development Commission, begged us to get into uh, the Internet business, uh, so we did. And uh, we were reluctant, but we're happy that we brought it to the community. And how many subscribers did you have on that dial-up business? We had uh, about 6,500 subscribers. Uh, Some of them were, most of them were in Alexandria. Some of them were in other communities that weren't being served uh, by the uh, incumbents, uh, including uh, Long Prairie, Minnesota, and Granite Falls, Minnesota. Given the population size at that time, you must have had just about everyone who's on the internet getting on through you. Uh, yes, they did. We, I think we picked up most of them for dial-up. That's correct. 
And so at a, at a certain point, though, you started building fiber lines out. Let's just jump ahead to that. Um, what what brought that on? We did as a utility. Um, we wanted to uh, rebuild our communication system to our substations, and we decided that fiber optic would be the way to go uh, for high-speed relaying and, and things like that. So we built a fiber optic cable to our substations, also to our um, water treatment plant and to uh, wells around town. You know, I'm curious, you could have probably, you know, paid to lease those services. Why does it make more sense to build your own? We as a utility are, have always had the uh, independent spirit to, to do things ourselves and be responsible for, for things ourselves. And uh, we knew that we would have control over how well the communication system went in and how well it operated. Well, I guess that plays into uh, perhaps a larger question, which is, um, you know, what do you think the the proper role for local government is when it comes to internet access? I believe that there is quite a, a huge role that can be with the uh, the public uh, sector in providing internet access or communications, and I think you could draw the analogy that nowadays uh, communications use the internet. Uh, is just as important, if not more important, than roads and bridges and that other type of infrastructure. So if a community uh, decides they they want to have their local government unit, who probably has a very good uh, track record on providing services, to provide that service, I think it should happen. You already have a number of business customers. Um, what do you think separates you from other choices that they would have? Because, I mean, at this point, um, you know, the, the cable and telephone company, I'm sure that they do have some kind of Internet service, and yet your business customers want to stick with you. That's correct. And, and I think it's the local uh, control aspect of it. Um, if, if we ever have a problem, which we rarely do, uh, they can walk right into our office and uh, grab us by the neck and say, hey, fix this. It's it's never that severe, of course, but uh, I think they enjoy the local control. We're also uh, non-for-profit. Uh, we're government. We charge a margin, but that margin is just plowed back into the infrastructure. We don't need a rate of return for our investors. Um, we, we just provide a service, at a, a good service at a, at a low cost, and uh, they enjoy that. I mean, there was actually an article I saw recently, I think, that really brings that, that message home regarding uh, local service versus, um, you know, a, a big cable company. Um, it was uh, Comcast, actually, in um, in an area in which they had strung a cable across someone's backyard. And in this person's backyard, they were not a Comcast customer, and the cable hung low. And when she went to sell her home, it was a problem because it lowered the value because it's an awkward cable. And every time she called mm-hmm. Comcast, they didn't know how to deal with it because she wasn't a customer. They didn't have an option in their database, you know. And and from this call center, probably in South Carolina or you know who knows where it was, um, they just they would basically just say, "Oh yeah, we'll take care of it," and then just you know forget about it. <laughs> you know that doesn't happen with you guys. You guys you guys can just send someone over to check it out. That that's exactly right. And usually within minutes, we we do that. Uh, the furthest uh, edge of our service territory is. Uh, 10 to 15 miles away from from the headquarters. So, I mean, we can respond quite well. You know, another uh, interesting thing that happens here is that we have uh, people come to us to sign up for electricity and to sign up for 
uh, water and and so forth. And uh, and the customers that come here have a difficult time figuring out how, how do I get my phone hooked up mm-hmm. or how do I get my cable TV hooked up. And uh, we give them the 800 number, and I'm not positive of this, but I think the, the 800 number spells 1-800-BLACK-HOLE because uh, <laughs> they, they, I, I don't – uh, you know, uh, investor-owned uh, utilities are just another model, and I make fun of them, and they make fun of us, but uh, and they're just different. But I think local control uh, through a municipal nonprofit with high reliability and good service is the way to go. Well, I know that you've probably heard this criticism, and um, and I and I know that it's not true, but I'll make it for the sake of being provocative. Um, you know, some of those big companies will claim it's not fair uh, for you to be in this business because you're just using so many taxpayer dollars, and that's not fair for them to compete against that. That yeah, that is absolutely untrue. We are a municipal electric and water and communications business. We get zero tax money. In fact, we send a payment to City Hall of, on our sales that far exceeds what our city would get from private enterprise. It's called a payment in lieu of tax. Uh, for our small uh, utility, uh, the City Hall gets over a million dollars from us. It's not a tax, but we do support the city and we do actually support the tax base as opposed to draw any taxes. And from what I've seen, often um, if it were a tax, you would be the biggest taxpayer or close to it in, in communities. A lot of times municipal utility, uh, that payment is one of the largest sources, uh, single sources of revenue. It is indeed. Uh, and it represents perhaps 10%. I'm talking about all, all of our units. It represents about uh, 10% of the city's uh, general budget. So if you can't use taxpayer dollars, how have you financed uh, your fiber network um, extensions to the uh, businesses that you serve? Uh, basically, uh, as we just pay as we go, we grow as we have margins. Uh, we have not borrowed uh, penny one for our fiber optic system, uh, and we have been building out slowly since 1995, but... Uh, there's no debt associated with that sector of our business. Now, do you build opportunistically? I mean, if you know that there's going to be another project or if the street's going to be torn up and that sort of thing, or do you build based on a predetermined plan that's just sort of you know that you want to get from point A to point B in year 2017? I would say it's a blend of each. Uh, we have kind of a master plan uh, uh, what areas of the community we want to get into, where we want to loop, but we also react to uh, the businesses that uh, want our service now. So uh, it's a it's a blend of the two. And now you said you focused on um, fiber optics, but you have had some experience with wireless. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? We had dial-up, and at one point we're excited when we went to uh, 56K modem, believe it or not. Um, oh, I remember. But, <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> you sound younger than that. Uh, but but yeah, I was. Uh, but, I started around. I think it was ninety six hundred baud. So I didn't experience twenty four hundred baud. But I've um, I've experienced okay. a fair number of the modems. <laughs> we were in the uh, dial up business, and uh, we decided that, uh, or our customers decided, they wanted more speed. So our next step was to go to uh, wireless uh, internet. Uh, we went to 900 megahertz, unlicensed 
uh, wireless uh, connections and did not have a good experience with that. Um, we signed up quite a few customers, but our reliability was not good just because of the nature of wireless and the nature of uh, uh, unlicensed wireless uh, for sure. So over time, uh, first of all, we sold our, our dial-ups. We sold our, our wireless to uh, another carrier, um, made some nice money on that and uh, because we didn't see a future in either of those. Um, we see a future in uh, fiber optic cable because, quite frankly, the uh, theoretical limits of fiber optic cable have not been met by electronics yet. So uh, that's, that's quite future-proof, and uh, we're always able to bump up how much bandwidth our customers need, and, and I don't see an end in sight. The thing about fiber, of course, is that it can be exposed. And now, as I understand it, about, you know, I think it's either 60 or 40% of your lines are undergrounded. Um, but you're mm-hmm. in the midst of a major effort to put everything underground. Is that right? That's true. We, uh, we are. For our electric system and our communication system, would, of course, follow that, um, is that uh, we uh, are undergrounding all of our electric distribution lines uh, over a period of the next decade or decade and a half. It kind of depends on how much we get done every year and, and what the bids come in at. But uh, So we've got a plan to do that, and we're about three years into it. And in fact, on the electric side, our reliability has increased because we first replaced our poor cable, our older cable, and uh, so uh, there's less outages uh, to date. Uh, and with that, our, our uh, fiber optic cable will, will go underground. Uh, that won't necessarily improve the reliability of that because it is very high. Even what we put um, on poles is uh, ADSS cable, single strength or super strength or something like that. And right. And that goes up in the – I mean, you get to put that in the electrical space. That's one of the major things that makes it different from other fiber, right? You um, yeah. you don't have to worry about changing out the poles or anything because you, as the electric utility, get to use the electric space. Our electric sector, though, charges our communication sector for that uh, pole attachment. Right. And it really isn't in the electrical space. That there, It's in the communication space. One of the reasons that I ask about the undergrounding is because I lost power last week for 24 hours. Um, fortunately, no one was harmed, but one block away from my house, uh, um, a tree that was um, quite a distance away from the power line fell and was pushed by the wind through the power line. Um, uh, along with many other people in Minnesota and those vicious storms we had. And, and it was just reminding me of how, um, you know, it, it seems a little crazy that more than, what, 140 years after electricity started running light bulbs, um, it's still up in the air where it's susceptible to the elements and uh, but but I, so that's my own little crusade. I mean, I've been out through Fort Collins, who I think will actually be next week's guest next, and they're just finishing up an undergrounding project in Colorado, mm-hmm. and it's just so beautiful. It's really beautiful when you don't have to see all the wires around. I, I, I think. But what I what I, what I guess I'm curious about is when you're undergrounding in areas where you don't have fiber, um, presumably that gives you an opportunity then to put in a conduit or other thing uh, for future fiber. Yes, we we are. We are putting in uh, the incremental cost of doing that is very low. Uh, if you get the trench over and or you're, you're plowing in, we're putting in communications conduit in many places, uh, at least in the places where we have mainline. Uh, we're not putting it into 
uh, residences or anything like that. So, yes, we'll have conduit in there, and if we use it, that'll be great. If we don't, we're not out of much money at all. Sure. I'm, I usually assume that even if you used only 25% of it, you'd probably have a terrific savings. That could, Oh, yeah, I would think so, yep. And so I'm I'm curious, um, are you just uh, foreclosing the possibility of doing residential service in the future then? Or um, oh, how, what's your thought process? We don't have that as a definite plan. Uh, it could happen. The The thing of it is, is that uh, residential in this community is brutal from a b- business standpoint as far as competing. And, uh, you know, if, if the need arose, if there was not... Uh, uh, good residential service, uh, we would get into it. We are also being very deliberate, as I mentioned before. Uh, our business model is to go slow and pay as you go. Don't borrow any money. So um, it could be deployed, but it might be a long time from now. Okay. Well, we really appreciate uh, you taking the time um, to talk with us and to um, give us a sense of how you've been thinking about this and connecting the businesses. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me again. That was Chris and Al Krauser, General Manager of ALP Utilities in Alexandria, Minnesota. You can access the transcripts for this and other Community Broadband Bits podcasts at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us with your ideas for the show at podcast at muninetworks.org. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter, where the handle is at muninetworks.org. Thank you to the group Roller Genoa for their song Safe and Warm and Hunter's Arms licensed through Creative Commons. And thank you for listening to episode 210 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. <laughs>